A 2020 UNICEF report found that only 64.4% of 15-year-olds in Aotearoa have more than a basic proficiency in reading and maths. Research also shows that over the last 10 years, the proportion of young people who are reading for pleasure here has decreased. Read NZ is one of the organisations trying to halt and reverse these depressing statistics. One of the successful ways of getting kids to read is a wildly popular book. Harry Potter famously got, famously got boys reading in millions around the world. Other famous page-turners include Hunger Games and the comedies of David Williams, which supports efforts here to get more authors into our schools. For the past six years, Read NZ's programs manager, Catherine Carmody, has beefed up its Writers in Schools program, where authors spend time in classrooms answering questions about their books and offering tips to the next generation of writers. It covers early childhood through to secondary school children. Well, now Catherine's handing the baton to Simi Simpson, who's been in the book trade for more than 20 years. They came into the studio for a chat, where Catherine explained how the program works. The guiding principle behind the Writers in Schools program is that it is driven by school demand. So the schools tell us what they would like to achieve, and we then match it with the authors that we know are able to work in that way that the school requires. Does the school contribute financially? Yes, quite often, but we also have a subsidy from Creative New Zealand, and that we use to reduce the costs for the schools. Because that's a, that's a dilemma, isn't it, for a lot of schools these days? They may love the idea of it, but we just know how strapped they are financially, right? Yeah, we also do a lot of extra fundraising. We use the pub charities in the different regions to contribute to costs, individual donors as well. Every now and then a writer will say, I went to the school, I'd like to sponsor a visit for my school. I mean, I've spoken to authors who've been involved with the programme. They're not doing it for the money, I could honestly say, but what, one of the things that they love, as well as getting their books out there and talked about, is the feedback that they get from the young people that they're writing for. Mm. So that must be part of it. It's a, it's a two-way thing, right? Um, Mary Ann <laughs> Scott, she writes young adult fiction. Her mum was a Writers in Schools author. And she's going to um, a school in Havelock North at the invitation of one of the parents at the school. And that parent was inspired by writers in schools that David Hill did back in the day. And she is one of our successful romance writers. That's two generations on both sides of writers in schools visits happening in Havelock North. You're really proud of this. Mm -hmm. But really, when you're talking to the authors, when you're talking to the schools, what difference is it making to the kids? Actually, it's making the bigger difference to the school librarians or the teachers who are in the classroom with the kids in terms of their inspiration and their motivation to do more of this work. So, yeah, sure, the kids get a lot out of it. They're seeing, you know, whole new ideas that they might not possibly have considered for themselves in the past and that they are getting to work on their own creative output and think about their own careers and what their own future might look like and what their own story is. But for those adults who are in the classroom with those authors, they're also seeing professional development opportunities for themselves and their own writing and their own output and other ideas for linking curriculum across all sorts. Plus, they know that they can do this again and they're building that relationship with the author who quite often literally lives just down the road. We are doing a lot of hand-wringing at the moment about literacy and how to get our young readers engaged. So this is clearly helping. Heaven knows how much worse it would be without it, Simi. But I mean, mm. what, given this long history you've had in children's publishing industry, what are your thoughts on it? Where are the, where are the gaps or, and what can we do to get more young 
readers because I was just listening to Kate Goldie saying that really by the time they get to what year nine, ten, nine, ten, eleven year olds, so many of them are just they're out of there. Mm. Sometimes it can be as simple as finding the right book for that child. I remember my nephew at one point, he was a really great reader until he sort of hit about 13 and then it was like he sort of dropped it. And I always, you know, (laughs) think it's great Harry Potter for this really because he discovered Harry Potter and started reading again and that sort of spurred him on to other stuff. And I feel like sometimes it's just that one book that will hook you in or having someone You know, modelling is great, isn't it? Having parents that read and then you read, those things help. But sometimes it can be like widening our idea about what reading is because it's not just reading books that we think are worthy. It's like picking up, you know, motorcycle magazines and picking up things like that and those things that really speak to that child as well. Like, And, you know, everyone's different and they'll have a different thing that motivates them and brings them in, really. So, Catherine, when you've been working with schools on the Writers in Schools program then and you've been having these conversations with the principals and the staff, do you talk about this? Do you talk about what are the problem areas? What gaps do you see? You know, who are the best kind of authors to to rev up excitement or, you know, what's different to what we can offer as a school? Quite often the school leadership team have all that all quite clearly in their minds So they've identified the problem areas already, right? by the time they get to us, they know that there is an issue and they know that having an actual author come in and talk about the book that they're, that the kids are reading will make the next level of difference. Um, there's another very cool program out there that's run by a motivated group of individual teachers. It's called NZ Read Aloud. So they are grappling with exactly this issue and they know that different students learn in different ways. So NZ Read Aloud grew out of um, an American um, project but how we run it here is different books for different age levels in three terms of the year. For example, one of the books was Michael Petheridge's uh, Tumeki, and that came out in about 2019. And one of the teachers of NZ Read Aloud took that book and her tiny school, she's got a role of, um, she was associate principal at the time, her role was 29 students. And they replicated the book. So the book is about building a festival for your community. So these 29 students built a festival that they invited the other students at other schools to travel to. And it involved creating a Twitter account so they could talk to the author in real time, building a website so that they could share the program and the development of the program with the other schools and they could all collaborate on it. And this stuff just blows my mind that there are teachers out there who can take the concept that's in a very cool book, get their kids enthused, recreate the book in the classroom, and then they invited the author in. And he's a DJ as well, right? So he came and DJed to set with the students and they, yeah, just wild. And it's those those teachers in those schools who are driving that work with the support of their leadership teams. Simi, the curriculum at the moment, Catherine mentioned, you know, how strongly do these books have to be connected to what the teachers are told to teach? I know, I know that there's some flexibility, you know what I mean? But mm. I guess, can it be just wild and crazy and completely different from the curriculum? Or does it have to have some kind of link to it? No, and I feel like if you're too close to the curriculum, it's a bit formulaic, like... I think the sort of ideas that Catherine's been describing are so, they're really 
coming out of left field and, you know, that using that book as a springboard and then making the curriculum fit in around it, eh? And I think that is a pretty amazing thing to do. We're having a meeting with one of the um, developers of um, something called School Kit, which has got 10,000 teachers registered with it. And part of what they're doing is looking at the history curriculum currently and looking at what primary sources are available for teaching that and how to, with our support, with the author's support, include poems, short stories, novels in that kind of work as well. So school kids are looking at it from the history curriculum currently, um, but we'd love to get them you know, looking at that again also through the English curriculum. Catherine's been working with something like almost 80 authors, which is a huge number of authors, right? Mm. But do you get a sense from your work in children's publishing that there are any gaps? I, mean, I heard, again, I heard Kate Goldie telling Catherine Ryan that there's just too many books about New Zealand birds. You yeah. know, give us a break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely as they are, you know. <laughs> I mean, would you like to see even more diversity in children's Absolutely. writing? Absolutely. There's always gaps. I think it's almost like you get a run and every publisher goes, I'm going to publish a book for this age group or I'm going to publish a book, you know, about this. And I think, you know, you'll have a year when you just think, oh, where's some fantasy? And then the next year you'll be going, oh, give me some books about some real stuff. Like it's just, there's always gaps and there's always room for diversity. And I think that it's so important to be able to have books that resonate with kids and tell their story you know, and particularly told by people who they can relate to as well. So, so that's a problem. An author can come up with a great idea that they're really excited about. But I guess this is another advantage of something like Writers in Schools. Are your authors actually also seeking information in their conversations with the kids about what interests them, you know, mm. trying, trying to make sure that they are hitting the mark? Because it's a very critical audience kids they will tell yeah. you exactly what they yeah they're think, harsh, right? they are, definitely, yeah yeah I think they spot sort of those false notes in books way before adults do eh? like in they, language or yeah. behaviors right yeah definitely so uh, you so you just handed me a beautiful looking book by Coco Solid who we know of course what's the story behind this so um how to loiter in a turf war I think that this would go brilliantly in schools mm. and do we know Jess and can we invite her in? You know, she's got that LGBT perspective, she's got that Pacifica perspective, she's got, she can make, talk about screenwriting. Mm. I think that she'd be wild. I think mm. the schools would absolutely adore her. We had um, Tay Tibble in, um, at Wellington High just this week, again for the second time they invited her back and our friend's daughter was so excited, you know, she's been reading Tay's books and poems and studying them and talking about them in class and things. It's just, yeah, these kids mm. are definitely enjoying what's being published for slightly older audiences. Mm. They're reading, I think, at a, at a higher, more adult level than we're probably giving them credit for in the schools. Is, is there a, an issue, Simi, with that transition from picture books to chapter books? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do think so. I think for years I've been listening to parents and teachers sort of feel like they have to push kids into chapter books. And I think it's a real shame. I do think that there's a real richness of language and also the illustrations which help, you know, any of that sort of, if you're reading a picture book and you don't always know the words, sometimes the illustrations can carry you along in a way that you can't do in a chapter book. So often those early chapter books are really simple and have only sort of variations of words. And and I just think that they're, 
they're boring. I think they're really dull. And I think that that's such a shame for those kids that, well, for all kids, actually. It's a shame for everybody. It's a shame for the adults having to sit there listening to them read them. Like, seriously, it's, you know. Gap in the market, anyone <laughs> yeah. listening out there. Um, you, just before we started talking, Catherine, you showed me uh, a poem from This Is Us. And I guess the other aspect of this, we're talking from the author's perspective and the teacher's perspective. From the kid's perspective, do you think there's more to be done for children writing their own stories? Because just that one poem I read was so sophisticated, age 13, for heaven's sake. Yeah. So is this something that maybe writers in schools mm. is going to get more and more involved with, is publishing the kids' writing? Some of the schools are resourced for that already. What these books here are that I, that I showed you were schools that aren't resourced for that and just needed a bit of a hand. Um, they knew what they wanted to do, and again, we just had to match the right author for them. And so... The kids, yeah, contributed the content. This one's actually my favourite, um, Paiatua and Beyond a Bird's Eye View. Oh, mainly because the kids also did all the artwork. No. I know. Get out that of town. just blew me away when I saw that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've, we were very lucky with the with the um, the author that was available for that school visit and that she is an illustrator as well, so she was able to, you know, work with them on all sorts. Not That's just a beautiful thing, and such right? a, a, a and collaborative too, because you know some of these books they're individual works, but this is one story Massive that paintings. has been collaborated on. Yeah. I mean, this this must be something that that lights your fire. So, I mean, you'd like yeah. to see see more of. Yeah, I am a big fan of picture books. <laughs> like I, I do love picture books, and yeah. But is it just getting Any... the students? Because you know, that's another thing that yeah. if they're not excited by what authors are producing at the moment. You know, by writing their own stories, that's yeah. actually what their peers will get excited by and relate to. So it can be both. We we want the authors, but we want to encourage children to have a voice. Absolutely. And there is that quote, isn't there, about how sometimes you have to write your own story if you're not, if what you want to read isn't out there, you have to write it yourself. So I think that sometimes that's what we're seeing now is writers coming through who are responding to that and writing their own stories. And to have kids write their own stories, is that's amazing, I think. Well, it's also going to get around another issue, and as it happens, we're looking at it on the programme as well, the 3% publishing of Māori and Tangata Moana mm. writers, 3% mm. in the country. I mean, I, I'm still struggling with mm. that. And that just says to me that we're not representative Mm. at all and that'll be children and adult and fiction and non-fiction the whole gambit but I mean I mean, how are you feeling about diversity Catherine? Well I think part of that problem is the sausage factory that is publishing in general and mm. I really feel for the publishers and the infrastructure that they're working within but it's got to shift, it's got to move and, and they're trying and they need to try harder and they know that, it'll get better but the rise in self-publishing as a result of that is massive and again that is an issue for the sausage factory that is book selling, you know? <laughs> I'm using the word sausage factory as um, sort of, what is that, a metaphor for um, a system. You know, we you need certain elements for the system to work in order for the system to be self-sustaining, in order for it to be able to keep going. But, yeah, if we want to change the outcome, we have to change the input. So you'll be actively looking at Simi in your in your position also at, at making sure there is the Definitely. kind of diversity that represents the stories that the kids want to tell and want to hear, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. 
Simi Simpson, the new programs manager for Read NZ and the previous manager, Catherine Carmody.